Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 435 featuring Terence Masson, who is the chair of the uh, program of the School of Visual Arts and Computer Graphics, the MFA. And he is a very, very interesting person that I have uh, been acquaintance with for, for decades. Uh, fascinating person, really knows his stuff, has been involved in, in visual effects for, for years. He works with Doug Trumbull. Uh, he worked over at ILM. He worked at Sony Imageworks. He worked at Digital Domain. He worked at Warner Brothers, a bunch of things. This has eventually led him to education, which is something that is fascinating to me and see how education is going on today, especially in that field. Uh, I also asked him a lot of questions about AI to find out how that is actually going to affect uh, education and in terms of how people get trained with these new tools and if what is the curriculum going to be like in this area. So a really great conversation with Terrence and I was really, really happy to have that. Uh, we have so many announcements that I had to write them down uh, that I'm going to give them to you in violence. So excuse me for having to look at my phone. Okay, the first thing is just go to chaos.com for all of these announcements. All of these new things are up there. So the first thing I want to talk about is Vantage 2. It has been announced. I'm very excited about that. It's got a ton of new features uh, such as scene states. You can actually save distant states of your scenes that you can go back to and recall. Really, Vantage is a fantastic presentation tool and, uh, and scene states is a really great tool for those specific presentations you want to give. Uh, you have a lot more control over lights, including the ability to add lights, remove lights, and change lights more directly within Vantage. Uh, there's actually now support for HDR monitors, which is really cool. So if you want to see how, how much effect uh, those HDRs are having on your environment, that's a really great thing to have as well. Deforming meshes have been added, which is something that I was experimenting with back in the day when I was doing some of the stuff on the Kiltopia project. Uh, render elements have been added. Uh, we now support uh, many more animation parameters inside of VR scene files. Uh, new scatter has been added. There's actually new 3D fog elements. It's not just a 2D fog. We actually have 3D fog uh, as well, where you can do god rays, etc., for your geometry. Uh, multiple UV channels. And in fact, if you have a GPU that supports DXR, uh, you'll be able to use them. So it's not, uh, you can use AMD GPUs now. So we're actually added that support as well. So that is very exciting for those of you who have AMD GPUs. You may be able to use Vantage at this point as well. So very excited about that. So additionally, we also have uh, Phoenix uh, the, that's been updated. Phoenix 5 Update 2 has been done, uh, which mainly has been doing, uh, giving uh, support for uh, Max and Maya in 2024. Um, and it has several new enhancements, including performance enhancements, uh, user interface has been enhanced, uh, and also the ocean uh, uh, shader has also been enhanced. Uh, and new features such as uh, direct velocity is very interesting as well, uh, and much, much more. So just make sure to go to chaos.com for all those uh, product updates. Uh, one more important update, and uh, not, uh, not to save this for the more important one for last, is we have a, we have now uh, Axis, which is uh, AXYZ, has joined uh, Chaos, and we're very excited to have them with us. Uh, you may know Axis as uh, the company that makes uh, human <laughs> Anima 5, uh, and it's uh, basically digital humans that have been added to a bunch of scenes, so a lot of background characters, etc. If you want to add them to your scenes, uh, they have a great product called Anima 5, and now this part of Chaos. In order to celebrate this great uh, uh, great merger with them, uh, we are uh, excited that, that they're going to be they've been added to Vantage 2 as well. 
well. So you will have the Anima 5 characters right into Vantage 2 as well. So really exciting. Uh, we have a couple of events that are going on I want to make sure you guys are aware of. Uh, this can be seen at chaos.com slash events. The first one is we're going to go to SIGGRAPH LA. I will be there, of course, uh, and that will be on August 6th through the 10th. And uh, it looks like I'm also going to be going to the SIGGRAPH London event called Rainbow, uh, which is happening August 29th through the 31st. So I will be there as well. And I probably, I think it looks like I'm going to be able to give a talk there. So I'm very excited about that as well. So again, all of this can be found at chaos.com slash events. Now, of course, if you want to know more about the podcast, you can just go to our podcast page, which is chaos.com slash podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook. That is facebook.com slash podcast. And if you'd like to watch us on YouTube, just go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Right. But for now, please enjoy episode number 435 with Terrence Masson. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. Yeah, I've been doing these for uh, coming up on uh, on uh, nine years. So, <laughs> holy smokes! Yeah, so I've have uh, for four hundred and thirty episodes that I've done. So, <laughs> wow, good for you! Wow, major kudos, dude. That's Thank awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to catch up and and. Listen as much as I can. Uh, I haven't been driving as much. That was my main podcast. That is uh, true, actually. I've noticed that what's interesting is that the actual audio people are not listening to the podcast as much, but our YouTube views are going up. So people are watching them on their laptops while we're working and stuff. So oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I've started to do that too with some, like I listen to Lex Friedman, uh, like a physics, AI, um, robotics techie kind of thing, uh-huh. although he covers, he covers all kinds of different topics. And yeah, the, the edited audio podcast that I listen to while driving is like maybe two hours long or something, but sure. the YouTube version is like four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll sit in the living room and just and watch that. Yeah. But anyway, this is all about yours. Thank you. For yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. L- listen, uh, I mean, you and I have actually, uh, I mean, I the first time I sort of interacted with you probably was over 3d pro like 20 years ago <laughs> so 3D pro sure yeah and I, i'm still i'm still active on there somewhat uh not as much as i used to but it's still it's like so i've known i mean i've heard you uh your your thoughts and I've, i know you sort of of your career and stuff uh which has been fantastic i know you mainly now as a, a a very important person in the industry especially as an educator and uh i think that that's sort of a really cool thing which i'm going to get to but i'd love to uh introduce people to your career and your background so and i know you've done this for a very long time so what got you interested in computer graphics like back I'm in the day old. yeah <laughs> it's like the uh, the gray hair it's not the age it's the mileage <laughs> exactly <laughs> i love that old indiana jones quote yeah um so, uh, so, uh, so I interrupted your, uh, your question kind of. So what, so what, no, what got you into computer graphics? I mean, it must, I mean, it must've been in the nineties, right? Or the eighties probably. Yeah. Yeah. Eighties. Um, so even very early eighties, even late 
like when I was a kid, um, I think it was still grade school, and there was like a TRS-80, you know, cassette-based yeah. ASCII graphic thing. Um, and even a, a step back from there, I, I've always, I was an artist first, basically, because I guess the technology didn't exist. Um, right. so I've always been pencil and paper, photography. Um, and then, yeah, so as soon as these, you know, computer thingies manifested, that was just, an, I'm, I'm a hardcore sci-fi techno geek of every, you know, all the sciences. So it just seemed as natural as breathing to me. It was just the, the tool of choice as soon as I could. Um, even in high school, I went to a private Catholic high school in Marion High. Shout out to Marion High in Premier, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, and the nuns in the rectory had, they had a computer science course in high school and we did basic programming. And of course I tried to do graphics and, um, so it was just from the very beginning uh, what I wanted to do. I just I never wanted to do anything else. Uh, there were flavors of it I, again before the the technology was was coming along and being robust. Uh, I was going to be a, a, a fantasy illustrator, so a, a traditional illustrator uh, like Michael Whelan, uh, you know, the book covers of you know Piers Anthony and that kind of stuff. Right. But pretty quickly the. The computers took over. Uh, so I graduated high school in 84. Okay. Um, round about when the Mac, you know, first Apple came out. Right. Um, and then, right. And then the Commodore Amiga shortly after that. Yep. Um, so that's, that's the disruptor that I <laughs> latched onto. Was it the my... Amiga that did it? I mean, a lot of people had that Amiga bug because they, Amiga did an incredible graphic stuff at the time, right? They really did. I mean, it was the Apple for me first because okay. I was blown away with just you know like mac draw mac paint you know little uh you know eight bit black and white dots uh right. and i still have some of those uh <laughs> saved miraculously right um, but i was in a you know very traditional bachelor of fine art program at uh umass lowell uh which yep. i just went back and gave a, a, a lecture series to uh which was fantastic um so that was a real you know the very traditional art history Photography, color theory, printmaking, all that. But it was a graphic design degree. Um, so I just kind of forced these tools on the curriculum and, and made that my my degree. I mean, so were I, they really available at that time like to have graphics there? I was really lucky. There was a, one of the faculty, uh, James Veach, I believe his name was, mm -hmm. might still be there, uh, really brought brought those early Max apples in and the Amiga Um you know, Amiga, Amiga 500, 1000, 2000, those, those model right. numbers, deluxe paint 3d. Um, and, uh, what were the color cycling ones? Um, but I, I did my, my thesis, basically my, my BFA thesis with 2d computer graphics. I did a, um, right. Music video to Russia's uh, red barchetta, which you can find on YouTube and video. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Link to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then it was just, that was all over for me. Um, so seeing the abyss, um, cause I grew up reading sci-fi thanks to my dad, mm -hmm. um, as a genre. So, you know, obviously I still remember, I have the, the program that I got at the opening of star Wars in 1977. I still have that yep. there. Um, but I saw the abyss, you know, with the pseudopod, uh, yep. pseudo tentacle, uh, and then applied, I had graduated, 
and was working freelance in what we used to call the flying logo days, which you probably remember. Yep. Um, <laughs> in the Boston market. So, you know, I get to do the opening to the Boston Celtics and, you know, Channel 5, a lot of beveled chrome and gold. What were you using at the time? Was it sort of like Lightwave or? Alias. Alias. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like wow. Alias version 2. On, a, on an I SGI, mean, right? Yeah. At, uh, uh, and before that, kind of less in production, but I had like Tips and Topaz were very early 3D and 2D PC programs. Right. Um, but I, 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 very, I was Alias version 2, I think. Um, yeah, and it was at uh, Viewpoint and Target in Boston, a couple of post houses. Uh-huh. Um, National Video, Boston. Um, yeah, and then so I applied. I'm sure I interviewed at SIGGRAPH, I think, with uh, Nancy St. John, I think, was interviewing people for T2. T2, okay. At, at, at ILM. At I, yeah, to work, to, yeah, interviewing for ILM to hire people to work at ILM to work on Terminator 2. Okay. Um, and like Liza Keith uh, got hired for that, uh, a whole bunch of other people. And uh, I, Did you I, get in? Did you get into T2? So not on that, not on the production wave. Uh, I did not, not for okay. the, so, but I got hired very shortly after that for Hook. So that was okay. my, I jumped, I did another couple of short animated films with Alias, uh, working with Alias and SGI to use their giant Predator um, servers. They had these gigantic closet sure. size, you know, um, they were quite impressive uh, to render the stuff. To do short animated films to go on the festival circuit, you know, like one does if you do okay. short animated films. One of my films, uh, Paranoia, I think it was called, got accepted to the Mill Valley Film Festival. Oh, nice. In Cal which is just down the road from ILM. Right. So when I called them back and said, oh, my short 3D CG animated film got accepted to this, you know, kind of prestigious film festival. They said, oh, okay, well, we can hire you as a technical assistant. Okay. And come in and do that. So they hired, that was my very first big mainstream film hire was as a TA uh, and then digital Did you artist. work in the pit? <laughs> well, well, so that don't, that was, you know, only spaz in the pit right. uh, pretty much. But, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so that was basically archiving T2. So it was basically T2 had just wrapped. So okay. I got to back up all the T2 footage off of the DDRs, ADRs. Yep to make room for, we were doing Hook was the main film, but there were a few others. Um, yeah, so then I was in. Uh, I did 2D effects animation on Hook with in-house okay. tools, uh, layer paint and, and things like that, doing pixie dust, yep. um, rotoing, you know, a lot of, I loved roto, roto <laughs> and, oh, so much fun. <laughs> right, I mean, you know, first major feature film gig, and it's you know, sure. Spielberg is you know, Eric Brevig was the VFX soup. He was fantastic. Right. Um, yeah, so it was just so that, and that was really the inflection point of when we were still shooting fiber-filled clouds on stage and traditional matte paintings with oil on glass. You know, you say Wesky painting Neverland, right? Yeah, scanning that and projecting it on two and a half D. Um, geometry and, and compositing so it was it was really wild uh that that transition from optical to digital uh, this would have been right 1990 uh early 91 and then as we're wrapping hook um we got word that we we had to start 
um, doing some tests on possibly doing this movie about dinosaurs. So <laughs> that's when the pit came up, right? Yeah. So that was the whole very the birth of the the idea of the uh, original Jurassic Park, and it, right. that was you know, sitting in sea theater with uh, Dennis and a dozen other guys and women um, looking at all the previous good and bad uh, dinosaurs on film. So, you know, the Raquel Welsh and the fur bikini and mm-hmm. uh, into the center of the earth where they like glued fins on the back of iguanas and right. Harry Housen and every technique that had ever been done to do dinosaurs on screen. And Dennis is screening this right for us to put eyes on to say, okay, that wasn't so good. But that right. was kind of working. Right. Sure. So sure. So it's kind of super fast forward from, Elementary school to <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. So being in that room when that, those decisions are being made was must have been pretty interesting. And then suddenly seeing that disruption that happened with with CG. Yeah, it. Um, I was I was very much in the right place at the right time because right. I I like many others, maybe not not quite as much as as Steve and Mark and and Stefan, but. You know, the, the hubris of, um, I love that when people s- tell me something can't be done. Sure. Or that that's impossible. Or we're not, you know, we can't do that. Right. So my, my whole career was, was basically built on going against that to say, oh, really? Sure. Just, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Um, so those guys led that charge. And obviously, you know, the, the rest is history. Um, but yeah, being in the room and, and basically learning and being a part of that that atmosphere was amazing. Yeah. 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 I, I've just recently, I mean, I've been, I've, I've been watching the Jurassic punk, uh, documentary, which was really just kind of amazing to see that time, you know, and how crazy it was, um, and how disruptive it was in a lot of ways. Right. It really was, but that was only one project at the time. I mean, you know, everything, everything done at that time had never been done before. Isn't that wonderful that that's what we get to do? (laughs) It was amazing. I mean, we're doing, you know, commercial work for Japanese broadcast, uh, you know, with Pepsi Man and uh, all kinds of other super wacky, weird stuff. Um, And I I always loved working in commercials, uh, ILMCP, um, between features like we did Small Soldiers and um, because the fate, you know, the pace of commercials is is so different. Sure. Um, than features, um, and, and everybody at that company uh, was just amazing. You know, not just talent, but just helping each other out. And it was, you know, what you did yesterday would break today. We would spend eighty percent of our time, you know, fixing these script trees that <laughs> right do all. But yeah, it was it was very trial by fire, and again, that was it was very natural for me. Um, just personality wise there was no never a sense of oh this is too much or you know i'm i'm you know either not prepared or we can't do this or quite the opposite sure 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 well how long did he stay at the at uh at ilm so it was a really high paced time so my oldest daughter had just been born okay and i had flown across country i left my newborn baby and wife at the time okay. in Massachusetts to fly out and work on these projects at ILM. But it was always going to be a, a, a temporary thing. Um, and instead of 
staying, which I could have done, I got a call from Douglas Trumbull. Oh, in, in Massachusetts. listeners will know of. Yeah, he's been on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I know. I still can't believe he's gone. I, just, I know. So it's very broken. sad. Very sad. It's very, very sad. So, I mean, we could talk for an hour just about Doug. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he was setting up. Uh, he had done uh, Back to the Future, The Ride, and The Berkshires. Yep. Western Massachusetts. So he's putting together another crew from scratch, brand new pipeline and a new facility, also in the Berkshires, to do the Luxor Hotel That's right. complex yep. trilogy of, of uh, ride films. And that was in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So I, I left ILM and went back to work for Doug Trumbull, which right. anybody in the business, you know, you say yes. Right. Um, the chance to work for Doug. Um, and that, that turned into a couple of years. Um, okay. And I, get, we, I could talk for hours just on that experience. It was so mind-blowing. Joel Hynek was the visual effects supervisor. Oh, I know Joel, yeah. I just had whiskey with him at Jeff Kleiser's last week. Okay. Uh, Joel and Robin are doing great. Um, but he was, I mean, I know of him. He did the visual effects for The Predator with R. Greenberg, yep. you know, the optical camo suit. He invented the, the optical printer, didn't he? <laughs> well, I don't think he invented the optical printer, but he... He, he, he was definitely there doing this breakthrough work at our Greenberg. Right, right. Um, yeah, and uh, he BFX soup on Lady Hawk and just yep. and an amazing, sweet guy. Um, anyway, and then that's where I, I first worked with Jeff Kleiser's group because they were in-house doing the CG. Um, I built and, and ran a, a department for Doug called Image Engineering. And this was the first real um, pre-visualization effort done at that level. Okay. So I built a team and I hired a kid out of college, Cornell, I think, called Colin Green. Oh, Colin. Wow. Which I know, yeah. right? Yeah. He started, right. so he he started uh, Pixel Liberation Front, right? PLF. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. So he was on my team and he's yep. an amazing guy. He went he's also been on the podcast, thing. just saying. Like- <laughs> oh, good. No, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah. So we really, that was pre-biz. So it was uh, you right. know, pre-visualizing moves in Alias. Um, sure. And then I had to write code to then translate those moves to a gigantic uh, gantry crane to shoot miniatures. Okay. Um, shot by Doug Smith, a famous VFX super yeah. who worked on the original Star Wars. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, the, the Mocon head was designed by Doug's dad. Right. Uh, it's just, again, we could talk for hours just on this project. So, uh, so that, that wrapped up and uh-huh. we, uh, we had to do something with the facility. So it was, so it became mass illusion. Right. Yep. Because Joel Heineken offered a couple of projects. Okay. Uh, which was, um, what dreams may come in the matrix. Right. And they eventually moved out to I think Alameda or some, someplace in the West coast. Sure. I forget where, where that mass illusion set up. But, uh, yeah, so Joel took, uh, he, he, he was thinking about going to um, the West Coast. Uh, he did. He won the Academy Award for What Dreams May Come. Yep. And he gave this other kind of schlocky B-movie sci-fi thing with Keanu Reeves to John Gata, who was the camera assistant right. on the project, who was most well-known for running raves in right. the barn. Yep. So John took The Matrix, and that you know made his career. Sure. sure so sure, meanwhile, sure. Uh, my old boss at ILM... Scott Ross. I know Scott, of course. <laughs> yeah, um, hired me to help start this brand new facility of his with Stan yep. Winston and Jim Cameron in LA called Digital Domain. Right. 
So that was spring of 93. So I flew, I took my family this time and moved to LA to help start DD Digital Terrain in 93. And that was the beginning of 10 plus 12 years, something in California. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so many, so, so I, I, I pretty quickly, I, I was there for a couple of years, got it spun up. We did True Lies in, interview the vampire. Uh, the color of night was our very first project, which was all 2d. Uh, yeah. and then when, um, we did the, some tests on judge dread, um, which Joel, I think was working on. Um, mm -hmm. but then at the time, so this was, I get really early nineties, everything was exploding. And every every uh, studio wanted to start up facilities, so I had done this twice now already. Started up the facility for Doug, helped start DD, um, and uh, Warner Brothers called and said, "Would okay. you want to get founding CG Soup build the facility within Warner Brothers?" So I left um, DD to start. We called it Wabbit, W-B-I-T. Okay. Uh, Warner Brothers Imaging Technology. Right. Okay. And it was in the. Sherman Oaks Bank Building that eventually became Warner Digital. Warner Digital, right? Which you know went on to do great things, but um, mm -hmm. that was great because that was an in-house studio CG group, and we would do lots of one-off tests. I did uh, 16 millimeter film frame-by-frame -frame restoration of Jimi Hendrix for the 25th anniversary Woodstock movie. Wow! I did a single shot for a Police Academy movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice because it's a warner brothers department it's like you know it's any warner brothers film that needed a shot or two or some tests and this done. was one of the first times that a studio had sort of made their own digital department in some ways right yeah so it was great again having that opportunity being qualified but being in the right place at the right time um mm -hmm. and having you know getting these amazing opportunities uh you know work with sam raimi doing a test for a um, michael keaton snowman movie um Good Dog Carl, we did some tests for that. Uh, lots of projects that didn't go forward, but it was, oh my God, it was so much fun. Right. Because it, it had never been done before. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I think when I first started in visual effects and someone gave me a task and I didn't know how to do it, and my supervisor, I looked at my supervisor and I was like, I don't know how to do that. And he's like, neither do I. I think we're going to figure it out <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? And then suddenly it's like, oh, that's so exciting. As opposed to, like, I'm terrified that I don't know how to do this. Then it's like, oh, no, no, let's figure this out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. And for the, for the uh, older folks, if you remember, the biggest deal before South Park, which we can talk about, yeah. was uh, the, the original first Bud Frogs commercial. So this was a huge deal. It was, you know, debuted on the Super Bowl, and it was these bullfrogs that shot their tongue out at a right. Budweiser truck. Right. I remember that. And it was a huge deal. Right. <laughs> and I did – so I so I very quickly, I left um, – Warner Digital? Warner Brothers to, well, didn't leave, but I, I, I formed my own company called Digital Photography. Okay. So F-A-U-X. Photography. Photography, yeah. Photography for the French <laughs> yeah. guys as a yeah. consulting company. So I would just, I would spin up big teams and, you know, do projects. And uh, DD actually subcontracted that Bud Frogs to me as okay. my first job because everybody was overwhelmed. You know, I did yeah. subcontracts from Metrolite, from ILM, from, there was just too much work. Right. Um, and that's, so that was, you know, the mid nineties. And then that's when, uh, a couple of kids from the Midwest called me to say, we have this construction paper cutout pilot 
that we've shot with an animation stand that Comedy Central is interested in, but they tell us we can't do a weekly series taking nine months to produce a single episode. <laughs> right, because they were doing it with literal construction paper, right? With, right. I have a, a plastic baggie around here someplace full of them. So they said, <laughs> wow. we, heard, we heard you do, you know, computer graphic stuff that nobody's done before. And right. can you take a look at this? So long story short, yeah. So I, so I got a dope sheet um, of the phoneme, you know, timing uh, and a, a, literally a plastic Ziploc baggie of South Park character pieces, which I still right. have. This was August of 96. And they gave me a, a 10 second, you know, VHS video clip. Right. of the scene that they had shot for the pilot with real construction paper. Right. And they said, well, it's the one with Brian Bantano, right? <laughs> I don't know if it was that. It was the, the scene that I it had was the was Santa a, Claus one. There was a Santa Claus one. And no, that was Jesus the short. Versus yeah. that was Jesus the short. versus Santa. That was the short. Yeah, that was the right. Christmas card that was done for a studio exec. Okay. Um, <laughs> this was, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, meet her up by Stark's Pond. And, you know, how do you know she has a cat? Right. Um, <laughs> Really funny. So the long oh, story, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Um, so yeah, so basically, I said, okay, I I'll give this a shot. So I used, um, I said, if I can do this in computer graphics, you can do this a lot faster, and do it. In, but they said, no, 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 you can't use computer graphics. It can't look CG. It can't look like plastic. It's got to right. look like paper. I said, I got this. So sure. just all by myself with the alias on my yep. SGI at my house in San Rafael. Yep. Um, um, reproduce that 10 second clip just by hand, just hand modeled flattish planes. And it was all, this was nerves at the time. This wasn't even polygons. This was nerve patches. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you and, scan the paper and just no. apply it on? No. Okay. No, it was all noise functions and, and oh, know, interesting pseudo procedural um, shaders. Um, and this is a later version of alias. It hadn't, I don't, I don't think it had gone to Maya yet. This was early 96. Okay. You can time check me on that. But basically, yeah, just uh, ray traced for soft shadows, you know, put spacing. You know, I, I positioned it in alias so a downward facing camera, two lights at 45 degrees, like an animation stand. Right. Put the paper shapes, you know, separated just enough so that the soft shadows would cast and pick mm -hmm. up. Um, put little imperfections. Um, animated at 24 FPS. Transferred it three to pull down to video. Uh, added film grain. Yep. Um, and you couldn't tell the difference. So, and that's uh, amazing. So how many, uh, 90, 96, you said this was 96. Yeah. September 96. We, how many, how long, how long did it take to render per frame? <laughs> oh God. I don't know. It was ray traced with soft shadows and film grain. And, and that was uh, expensive back then. <laughs> that was very expensive back then. Uh, but it, yeah. so you can imagine the the geometry was not that heavy. Right. As you can imagine. Right. And the, yep. the phrase, I, the phrase that I use that Matt and Trey actually got picked up in the press for using was making South Park with alias on an SGI was like swatting a fly with a nuclear weapon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a little bit overkill, um, right. but it worked. So, so Comedy Central bought the series and Matt and Terry were like, you know, fantastic. Okay. Now you get to do what you do best. You build the studio, right? Build the pipeline, you know, requisition all the hardware, hire all the staff, lead the team, run South Park. We got, you know, we got a series. I said, this is, that's good luck, guys. This is, you know, farting peanut head right. Canadian humor. 
I just got asked to go back to George Lucas and work on the Star Wars Special Edition trilogy. Okay, right. So I was like, work with George Lucas, work on the Star Wars Special Edition trilogy, or this South Park. Farting. <laughs> Remember, this was not. This is before South Park was South Park. We just. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was there was no question. I was just good luck, guys. I hope this goes more than one season for you. Right. Um, and yeah, I went back because for your listeners, this was mm-hmm. also when there were not 162 Star Wars movies either. Right. There had not been a Star Wars movie since 1983 when Return of the Jedi was in the theaters. Right. And you were just doing the special editions. Right. right? So this was 1996. Right. And this is when everybody knows the story now. George wanted to re-release the original Star Wars Empire and Jedi with special editions. Right. Uh, A lot of people hated it because it was just, you know, adding stuff in, you know, Han shooting first and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the ring around the Death Star exploding and all that stuff. But. My God, that was special. I mean, it was unbelievable. Sure. Um, yeah, so I went back to ILM to do that, and I stayed there for years um, doing other projects. Okay. Yeah. What, but, what were some of your favorite times during your, your second tour of duty? <laughs> um, well, uh, Empire Strikes Back, I did uh, the approach to Cloud City. Okay. Yeah. So I got to fly the Millennium Falcon in and land on the pad right so i think david Parrish might have done a shot in there uh i might have the td's name wrong but um i remember that was uh worked every day straight through um christmas and new year's i i think was the timing it was just uh really time critical and all the assets had been made on the team so it was up right. to to me as the as the senior td to put all the pieces together shade it light it composite it final it right um, right, back right. in the day when, you know, a TD did all that. Um, <laughs> so, but that was a cool, that was an amazing sequence because there were a couple of shots that were all CG, mm-hmm. including the Falcon, which is another great side story if, if you want to hear it. Uh, but then when it was actually landing on the pad, we used uh, Rock McQuarrie's original matte painting elements. Oh, yeah. Wow. Of the landing pad and the model that was shot of the Falcon landing, right? But then sure. it was a new background of new CG Buildings. I think Ron Woodall was the name. He did a lot of the view painting on those buildings. Okay. Amazing team. Um, I got to tell the Falcon story. So go ahead. Go I, ahead. I got, I got the. I got the. Yeah, you can edit this later. No, uh, no, no. It's good. <laughs> so I got. I know you got to know this stuff. So I got the CG model for um, the Falcon. That was a. Po- it was a polygonal model. Okay. Which was unusual at that time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So and actually polygons at the time. Were kind of poo-poo. They were games, gamey. All yes. these polyfucking games. People did it. Uh, so nerves. we had actually, we had, I know we were nerves, badges. So yeah. we had actually gotten the model from LucasArts. Okay. So they had right. built this for, I don't know what the title was, but they had built it in polygons, texture mapped. Um, so it just looked a little. There was something. Of, I was such a hardcore Star Wars geek mm-hmm. as. Most people were back then. It just looked, there was something about the proportions looked off. Mm-hmm. And Dave Carson, who was the VFX soup for me, um, I don't think it was Dennis at the time, said, you know, it's got to be right. It's got to be right. You you know, stop squinting or whatever. I said, mm-hmm. this is a, just let me double check this. Just let me, he says, okay, well, what are you going to do? I said, I want to get the blueprints 
for the full size Falcon that they built in, is it Elstree or Shepard Studios? Okay. For Empire. Um, I just, just let me measure it. Just let me check. He says, okay, fine. Take your best shot. So, you had to call, so I called the archives up at Skywalker okay. Ranch. Wow. Had to get special permission to travel up to the archives, put on white gloves, and they took out a, a tube and they unrolled the blueprints. Right. From 1977. Wow. And I wasn't allowed to have any kind of writing implement that could be dropped and, you know, make a mark on it. But I used an architectural, you know, ruler. Sure. Put down the dimensions, brought it back. And sure enough, it was off by 10% thickness of the Falcon. It was too narrow. So I think it was a non-square pixel issue. Oh, right. right? One versus 0.9. Yeah, 0.9 pixel, right? Yep. So I compensated the Falcon to be correct. Yeah. Uh, so you fans out there can thank me. For... <laughs> <laughs> well, then I get the flyhead, right? So I you know, animated right. the Falcon. So nice. I mean, you know, I, I, not how many people have flown the Falcon? Um, so anyway, that's just that I'm kind of thing. You know? <laughs> I know. No, it's great. So, I mean, and, and you know, everybody was doing something like, you know, crazy at the time, but sure. uh, yeah, so that was cool. And then return of the Jedi. Uh, my big thing was uh, the Sarlacc sequence. So I fed Boba Fett to the Sarlacc. Wow. Okay. Including the burp. Wow. There you go. So, yeah. So just, you know, a couple of dozen shots in that sequence. And again, I think it might've been Dave Parrish. Some, someone else did it, did some shots in there too, but uh, that, that was great. So it was combining live action footage. Yep. Models and miniatures, um, you know, of, of the desert and the, sure. the skits, you know, that were painted in the front to, yep, yep, yep. Uh, to hold out the, the big beams that were keeping them in place. And oh, the, and the significant about this sequence was, I I had the we it was the first time lightsabers and blaster bolts were done digitally. So for some oh. reason, and I don't know why, okay, a lot of these old original optical elements were brought back online, rescanned, and used. But the 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 roto elements for the lightsabers and the blaster bolts, you know, blaster bolts, the energy bolts were sure. not. So I had to just by eye eyeball match the original optical lightsabers and blaster bolts in that Sarlacc sequence digitally. Okay. Um, so that was pretty significant. You know, the first time that they were done um, again, since 1983. Right. Uh, and I I still remember that. Here you go, everybody. Here's your tip. How to make a lightsaber. <laughs> there were, there were, well, there were four main things. So one was the, the hot core, which was almost white. Yep. And then the color, which was, you know, the glow, red or green. Sure. Uh, and then the, the soft glow on the outside of that, which was basically a blend, this three. And then the fourth was if it hit anything, right? You would get that pew right. kind of color thing. Um, and actually, Mark Hamill... Um, like the thing I posted once on Twitter. It's that you still know you're a fan when you're, you're 50 years old and Mark Hamill likes a tweet. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was the thing about the sequence that came up and actually it just came up again just like last week. There's this okay. kind of famous where he kicks. You know the shot? In which one? So, so there's a shot where Luke is on the skiff and he's got his lightsaber yeah. and the bad guys are jumping at him and he kicks one of the bad guys and he misses yes. him by about 12, 18 inches. Okay. But the guy goes, oof. And he, fly, and he flies over backwards. But the, the shot just previous to that, or just after that, is when he leaps off of uh, the skiff 
I know I'm going on and on about this, but <laughs> it's good. <laughs> there was a misordering of the optical layering when it was done in the original Return of the Jedi. So okay. that one of the blaster bolts that happened way in the background went over the top of Luke. Okay. It, it was like two frames. So, I, but stepping through it, you could see that it was just, so I, I, I rotated Luke's body so that the bolt correctly went behind it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, so those kind of little micro little things you can have little ownership over like no I, yeah, yeah it's better yeah <laughs> we well, can you geek out proud. Over this. that's all right <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely yeah no it's nice to I, my, my, my wife worked on the, uh some restoration work and she she did some work on evil dead and it was like she was so excited <laughs> oh absolutely yeah evil dead 2 or the original or the, the original one. <laughs> oh wow the first, yeah <laughs> that is cool yeah, it's cool to do some of that stuff and look back at some of those great movies and just sort of be excited about your your contributions that you can do to that. <laughs> it is, yeah, because then we uh, you know we wrapped those and yeah. uh, we immediately rolled on to Phantom Menace. Yeah, which was also a big deal because this was the yeah. first that's new the first Star Wars new movie, movie yeah. in twenty years, right or whatever. Episode it was. one, <laughs> 83, 83, 93, yeah, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, so. Uh, so I was sequence supervisor for, we call it the, uh, the swamp sequence. So it was basically from when the droid landing ships went down to Naboo and unloaded the droids. Um, yep. And then Qui-Gon is, you know, Liam Meeson is running through the swamp and smacks into uh, Jar Jar. Yeah. And then they have their little meeting with Obi-Wan and then they go, they dive underwater into the underwater. Sure. City. So that, that whole sequence, I was, I was the, the sequence soup. And then I, I TD'd a lot of the shots for the underwater city. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you, 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 you did some work in the game industry as well, right? Yeah, quite a lot, actually. Um, yeah. So I had, I think it was when I was still in L.A., I worked for a company called Zatrix with an X, Zatrix Studios. We did Siberia 2, uh, which was pretty famous at the time. Just sure. uh, These are pre-rendered cinematics, little like half NTSC res. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm a lifelong hardcore gamer. Um, I played the original Dungeons & Dragons in the 70s when I was a kid. Right. When I grew up, I got to um, speak uh, with uh, Gary Gygax and meet and have a wow. beer with him. Which is, I know, which is like crazy. Um, yep. But I, yeah, so I actually, I left ILM the second time. Um, and again, historical context, gaming was not a thing. It was not an mm. industry. It was, you know, for World of Warcraft, pimply-faced kids in their mother's basements right. on PC. And that was it. But um, Microsoft and Warner Brothers wanted me to uh, lead a team on the project that became the original Xbox. Okay. So that was around 2000. Okay. I think, I think it was around 2000. Right. Um, so that was work building, again, building a team, building a pipeline, writing a script, um, being director of development for a first party title called Bruce Lee. Um, okay. Quest of the Dragon. Uh, I've also been a martial artist my whole life. So this is, we got to work with Linda Lee Caldwell, his widow. Wow. And, uh, Taki Kimura, who is his very first student, who was like 80 at the time. Okay. 
So I got to build a really rudimentary early motion capture setup yeah. in a in a warehouse down in like Crenshaw. Okay. <laughs> again, motion capture again was not a thing. It you know it sure. just begun to gestate. So yeah, so to be able to motion capture the most authentic moves of sure. Bruce Lee from his original students right. uh, to use in this in this game. So that was. Every project like this at this time was there was something super special about it. Um, yeah, so that was that was the Xbox project, and then I think another game project. Um, made, um, uh, what was the name of the uh, games company who did The Sims before they got bought by EA? Started with an M. Was it? Oh, uh, uh, Maxis. Maxis. Yeah. So they they said we want to do a new Sim City project. Will you just creative direct and and hire studios and build get all the in game content done? So, yeah, sure, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> so so that was a huge project. I think it was in eight different studios worldwide. Interesting. That I had to you know, recruit and onboard and manage all the assets, and I built a big team in San Rafael, uh, and that was fascinating. Um, each building had three different levels of zoom. So right. we had to rebuild and retexture. Um, that was a lot of fun. And that 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 title had a lot of legs. Uh, SimCity Four is what that was. Okay. On the PC. Um, yeah, I just loved it. it was uh, it was so exciting to do new and different. You know, because with Doug it was ride films. Right. With you know, vertically running show scan at sixty frames per second on a dome screen and stereo, you know, just yep. crazy stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, again, you know, if it had never been, never been done before if it, or if it seemed impossible, that was, seemed to be a good idea to me. I worked with Doug uh, uh, much later, obviously, but I worked with him when he was trying to um, create content for his Maji system. Do you remember he had that? Of course, yeah. 120 frames a second uh, stereo 4K craziness. <laughs> yeah, wild, huh? Yeah, it looked amazing. It looked amazing. So, um, okay, well, that's interesting. But obviously, you know, a lot of people know you. These, uh, uh, you know, you have an incredibly strong past, obviously, in production and stuff. But a lot of people know you as an educator and a speaker and and and, and someone who's sort of an advocate for the industry. How did that sort of all start for you? Yeah, I'm again really lucky that that worked out. Um, so I had, um, I guess, relatively quickly. Moved up into supervisor roles. Um, I joined the Producers Guild really early on, PGA, um, you know, again, building these studios, very entrepreneurial. Um, mm -hmm. But I love the mentoring. So that was the fun part, being able to give back. Because obviously I learned from everybody. Right. Like we all do when we're first starting our, our careers and was able to start giving back. And I got the opportunity, uh, the Expression Center for New Media, uh, I think and, Andrew Schuschel, sorry, Andrew, I mispronounced your last, <laughs> ran that. And he asked me to, to teach a single course. So a full semester, single course sure. um, on 3D production. And I, I was hooked. I loved working with students, um, but that was just a one-off. Um, and I had a couple of other things happen at this time. Uh, this was you know, again mid, mid going on late 90s. Uh, we started the Visual Effects Society, right? Right. So I was on that very first cohort. I think my member number is 193. Okay. 
we started the VFX Society. Um, I wrote a book, CG 101. Yep. A computer graphics industry reference. Very um, well-known book. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it was meant yeah. for students and studio execs. Um, yeah. Anybody out there wants one, just ask. I'll send it to you for free. <laughs> um, so to get into education, so I had also volunteered for the SIGGRAPH conference. Yes. I started going to that in 1988 with my first SIGGRAPH in Atlanta. Okay. Um, All-volunteer organization um, partnered with, with paid contractors, very importantly. But uh, So I had worked up to be, uh, I think it was 1996, the Computer Animation Festival Chair. Okay. SIGGRAPH. I'm right. getting to answer your question, I swear. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah. So when the conference wrapped, I said, I, gotta, I should take the electronic theater on a world tour and promote our filmmakers around the world. So I took it, you know, showed it at Pixar, showed it at uh, any studio that would, that would have me, at, you know, representing as, as chair the, the, the festival footage from SIGGRAPH. Um, and I would contact local ACM SIGGRAPH organizations, right, in, in cities. So there'd, sure. be, there'd either be local, you know, city chapters or there'd be school chapters. So um, I called back home to my old town of Boston and Northeastern University had an ACM SIGGRAPH chapter. And they said, oh, we'll host you. Right. The university would love to see this. So I screened the film. Afterwards, you know, the, the dean and, and president said, oh, this, this was amazing. You know, what do you... Uh, you do this for a living? What you know? Who, what is this? I said, well, right. no, I'm, I'm actually thinking about looking to get into educate to teaching full time because I I had done this course and you know et cetera et cetera. And they said, really, we're actually thinking of building up some kind of program here to tie together multidisciplinary colleges within the university okay. and uh, you know under under the the guises of a creative industries program, which is a phrase that's pretty popular in the UK. Mm -hmm. it, it, never, it hadn't really taken on here in the States, but it basically was tying together business and physics and music technology and graphic design and animation, you know, all these different colleges into one program and doing interdisciplinary, doing a, a production-based thing. So, yeah. I, so I started full-time, headed the animation program and, and director of creative industries at Northeastern University, which would have been... I have no idea when that would have been. 2008? Is that? Okay. No. And we're missing a decade in there somewhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 1998. Could that be right? 98? Okay. I was I there for, yeah, 98. Because I, I think cause I was there for eight years, uh, learned a lot, and then uh, spun out one of our capstone projects as a startup company and left my university position to be a CEO. So I, I founded this company with my partner, George Thrush, okay. who was the head of the architecture program. And it was a location-based mobile tablet architectural visualization augmented reality tool. Right. And this was around what time? What year? It was at least 10 years ago. So yeah, my math is bad. Um, okay. So, yeah, it would have been because I've been... 2010, 2014, something like that. Yeah, I've been at SVA now for going on seven years. And then okay. the two years before that is eight. 
and then two years before that, 11, 10 or years 10. before, 2023 yeah. is 2013, is that right? Okay, 2013, interesting. So, and so yeah. how were you doing the tracking at the time? Or was it just? It was uh, a GPS. So, uh, okay. yeah, so it was, you know, within a yard or two, um, but it was meant, so if you had a, uh, you know, a blank building lot with okay. a proposed building, you know, in a city, right. um, and it was amazing. You would, you know, you put in the lat long to six decimal places yep. as to where the building center is supposed to be, and you scale it property, and the iPad knows where it is, right, right by GPS, and it offsets it properly, and you right. can rotate it and light it and texture it. And so you're standing on the sidewalk across the street from an empty lot, but you hold up your iPad, look through it like a, a clear, you know, like a window, and you see right. a properly positioned and scaled representation of the building that's being proposed. Right. And it was pretty badass. It was really cool. We it actually, if you're in, in an ideal situation without obstruction and a good signal, you could walk across the street, walk up to the virtual door and walk through it. And you could have like the interior of the lobby modeled out because why not? Right. And looking around, it was great. So building conversation was the name of the, the company. Right. And, you know, raised angel money, uh, got early adopting clients. Um, but no surprise, I'm not the CEO to grow a stable company and okay. kind of, you know, build something that already exists. Right. So um, it was either double down, you know, do a second mortgage on my house and try to build this company that had been started. Or again, timing, serendipity, the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan called me. Thanks to okay. a mutual alumni of theirs, a friend of mine, Tom Sito, who I'm sure you know, sure. from USC. And Tom said, look, they're looking, they haven't been able to find a department chair. They've been looking, they can't find anybody they're happy with. I know you don't live in New York, but could you just talk to these guys? Maybe you know somebody, or I don't know if you would consider it. Um, so, so I flew to New York and talked and I said, it's an amazing opportunity to run mm -hmm. this two year MFA program, but I, I can't move my family to Manhattan. I've got families too important. I'm, you know, sure. if I can work from home here in Massachusetts, Mondays and Fridays and come down and be in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, sure. I said, sure, we can do that. So that was seven years ago. Okay. Um, wow. And, and you've been there ever since. And you, 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 do you take the train back and forth? Do you fly back and forth? <laughs> no, I drive. It's, um, you drive. I drive. Yeah. So I go late at night. So it's, okay. it's exactly three hours from my driveway in Grafton, Massachusetts. Right. To my office in Chelsea, uh, in Midtown. It's, uh, wow. So it's only three hours. That's, that's my podcasting time. That's right. Let's <laughs> <laughs> listen to my podcasts and my tunes. Right. Um, no, I'll get down either late late Monday night or early Tuesday morning. I work, okay. you know, three 12-hour days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, really long days on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I do all my meeting. I teach on Thursdays. I teach a, okay. uh, you know, story development thesis production class. Interesting. Um, and then I drive home late Thursday night, and I do all my email and curriculum development and Zoom calls and everything on Mondays and Fridays here from, right. from home. Um, and most, many of the... Uh, 
the graduate department chairs at SVA have similar um, flexible uh, working arrangements because most of them, I think most of them, is that fair to say? Many of them mm -hmm. are still working professionals. You know, they're, they're directors sure. or they're painters or they're graphic designers or um, it's an amazing, it's an amazing group of people at that level who have, who have my, my fellow department chairs. And, and S, SBA is an amazing, I'd love to go on and on about, you know, the, the leadership of David and Anthony Rhodes. Um, their dad founded the school in 1947. Wow. Um, my department, when I took it over in 2016, mm. was 30 years old. So it was one of the first graduate computer graphics departments in the country. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I've got 110 graduate students. It's a two-year MFA. Uh, it's very international. I think we've won nine student academy awards. That's amazing. And a lot more, you know, nominees and every other. Uh, go to Ottawa every year. We're going to Annecy next week. Um, nice. Yeah, so I was really able to elevate the uh, a lot of things, you know, introducing a story and storytelling and VR course that okay. I developed as soon as I got there. Um, really brought on the concept of uh, team-based projects. So it had been a very kind of traditional auteur MFA with a capital F, like fine art, right. you know, like yeah. singular yeah. work. Right. So that's something I've worked really hard on is, is bringing um, collaborative work and students together to do collaboration. Okay. Yeah, we do nearly every project has original music composition. So we do we work with composers from all over the world, Interesting. Um, including NYU. Uh, we've mixed our students up with uh, Ken Perlin's lab. Oh, Ken. Uh, nice. To do mixed reality stuff. It's just I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm just so happy. It's the best job in the world because um, it's. It's business-like because we're, we don't have any, there's no deans at SBA. I okay. report directly to the president, as do all of the department chairs. And we're, we're, we're given a lot of um, autonomy, basically. Okay. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's tuition-driven. Um, right. It's not cheap. Yep. So I get to focus, unlike Northeastern, I get to really focus every dollar on the student. So... Simple stuff like just equipment. You know, we've got latest graphics cards. We've got yep. red cinema cameras uh, for them to shoot. You know, we're not we don't screw around. It's it's really the it's the real deal. That's an amazing. That's amazing. It's amazing I, I wish that was around when I was <laughs> in school. Yeah. No, I know when I took over. You know, a, a mature staff that uh, you sure. know we've got a lot of new blood, uh, and they're just they they kick ass. It's really great. You know, I give them a lot of freedom that like I'm given. Um, and we're, it's 100% adjunct, so pros and cons, right? Because um, the people who teach for us, they get busy. They're a VFX soup, and you know they're in a crunch time, and they can't teach this fall at the last minute. And right. uh, but you know the, the the pro of the con is I, I get to have a a much faster uh, iterated curriculum than a tenure based. System, yes. Right. And I don't have to explain about why that's true. Um. <laughs> well, actually, let's get into that a little bit, because obviously this has come up uh, in a sense, you know, one, I mean, I've been the last, you know, six, 
months or so, as you can imagine, the, the subject of how AI is going to disrupt the industry is coming up over and over oh, and over love again. To talk about that, yeah. And so my question is, and, and one of the things that sort of uh, sort of uh, a lot of people are freaking out, but one of the people that are free, some of the people that are freaking out the most are students that are graduating, saying, "I just learned all these skills, and maybe they're all going away." Like you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that are worried that like they're you know their 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 jobs that they were looking yeah. forward to having are not going to be there how do you deal with that or how do you work with that in a curriculum or address it in terms of the get students to be ready for the next phase of where where all of this mm-hmm. could be yeah and that's that's literally a, a whole nother podcast episode right there <laughs> <laughs> it I really is no i've been um really, really immersing myself deeply in this um, easily because my whole career has been, you know, the bleeding edge of technology, you know, what's beyond the horizon. What, and, and that's a real benefit of being uh, tightly involved with SIGGRAPH. Again, a shout out to the SIGGRAPH organization. Sure. You know, if you, if you, and you know this better than anybody, if you attend SIGGRAPH every year, you go to the research papers, you know, the technical papers pass, pass forward. Sure. You, you know, you know shit before there's the pixels exist, you know, right. so, yep. you know, you what's, see what's the cigarette. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not going to be in production for five years or something, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so having seen this on the horizon, but, uh, yeah, so we, I, I've done uh, a number of seminars, uh, hosted panels. Um, my, my colleague, Charlie, uh, Traub, uh, of, uh, MFA photo at SVA hosted an amazing seminar a couple of short months ago at, at SVA theater amazing speakers uh and me too for some reason mm-hmm. um and it was absolutely fascinating um to talk about this and uh the first question that does come up is the one that you asked is the students and and i just graduated 55 60 graduate students right and then the, literally in the last kind of month of their two years i'm like you know Hold the phone. Uh, we got to have a talk. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I think, I, so I've, I've thought through this to, in, in great detail, and I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that it will be similar to several other big disruptive moments in our industries. Um, so, for instance, you know, back in 84, 85, being a graphic designer by training, and the Apple Macs came out, this same, it was the exact same discussion. Mm-hmm. It's cheating, right? The computer's right. going to do the work for you, and it's going to put graphic designers out of work because you can just use a computer and it'll do it for you. And it's, you know, there goes all my classical graphic design training, you know, and stuff. Sure. So and so we all we saw how that played out. Right. Um, it only made more work. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, right. For those that embraced it, um, and computer graphics in general. Um, you know, traditional filmmakers didn't get put out of work uh, for a while. There was a danger that you know traditional model shops did ultimately take and stop of, motion. And stop motion got a pretty big hit, but thankfully, uh, stop motion never died, and it's it's you know a great resurgence. You know, I'm no bigger fan of uh, of Ardman specifically. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking to the guys today, meeting up in Ardman, and uh, I mean meeting up in Annecy. We just partnered with them to do a, be an educational partner for our, our men. So they've been doing workshops for our students. Nice um, online. 
but um, yeah, so in model shops as well, you know, uh, thankfully for directors like Christopher Nolan and, and, and others who very, very wisely and properly love the beauty of traditional models. Right. Um, but I, so I, I think it'll be, it'll definitely be similar for AI. We'll have uh, a lot of really bad, really quickly generated stuff sure. by, you know, ad agencies who say, oh, I can save a million bucks. Yep. And, you know, weeks of trying to communicate with creative agencies by just typing, I want, you know, a dog playing chess on the moon wearing Nike sneakers and I, it yeah. shows up before my eyes. Well, you, you do get that, kind of. <laughs> but Well, it's interesting. I mean, I read a story about a, a sci-fi writer who apparently in like three months wrote 97 books using ChatGPT. And uh, and Mid Journey for cover art and everything, and he just made them all digital, right? And he's selling them for like three bucks. And so part of me is going like, okay, that's ridiculous. And part of me is like, <laughs> you ChatGPT didn't come up with those ideas. He had ninety seven ideas that he came up with. So, yes. and I don't know if they're any good, <laughs> but right, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> no, it's very no. And see, and I'm, I get really fired up with you about this and we, we, we can talk, we're going to talk for hours about this. So we got a lot of tape in the, in the camera. Um, <laughs> no, because I, I'm a, I'm a, and I've, I've said this, I've been a big proponent of this is, this is going to do many things simultaneously and sure. faster than anybody can imagine. This is not a five year horizon. This is not even a next year horizon. This is day by day, week by week. You know, this it's yeah. happening so blindingly fast and went from, you know, writing text with GPT to making images with text to making videos and animation with text. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's getting better and better and better on a daily basis. Um, mm -hmm. So, but I, I saw a thing on, on uh, like Twitter a couple of weeks ago saying, um, as soon as creative directors know what they want to type into chat GPT, then we'll be out of a job. But until then, I think we're safe. Um, right. You know, because obviously most creative directors have no idea what they want and they, they need iteration. They need creatives to, to sure. actually, you know, translate what they think they want into what they want to see. And so, you know, I'm sure you've probably already had people on the podcast who have used these uh, image generated, uh, you know, mid journey type tools in art departments for major productions and they get a lot of stuff really quick, but then the art directors and the VFX soups and the directors, they're very particular at the high end and they, they need the nuance and the skill of artists. And it'll be a while before an untrained, a non-artist person can type something and have it be gorgeous and beautiful and just sure. what they want. It's just, you know, it's the nuance. It's the it's the long way of answering your question about. And what I told my students is that you've got to be more forward on the bell curve because if you're highly trained in these tools, you know, and now what they call prompt engineers, right? Yep. I did this live on stage at the symposium. I said my students came to me with this beautiful, surreal landscape of this robotic, organic horse stepping on this waterfront and it was unbelievable and created wholly with mid journey and, and, and the other tools. And they use that as inspiration to do their own work. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let's see how easy this is. So I, I typed in all the keywords of what I saw on the screen, you know, horse and fantasy and blah, blah, blah. And I got this thing that looked like shit. Right. <laughs> it was just, it was two dimensional. It was ugly. It was nothing for it. was nothing like that. And then I proceeded to see, you had to put in shot with a 24 millimeter lens from a high angle with lighting, right. like, yep. you know, Rembrandt, so-and-so. And he put all these keywords in the prompts and slowly it starts to build up, of, you know, looking decent, but that's only because I have a training in art history and production right. and cinematography and, yep, you know, color theory and stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of the best, the best stuff I've seen from these tools are done by artists. Yes. Or sorry, So I'm wondering, you know, for 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 your school, for example, right? Obviously, yeah. I think the emphasis that you're saying is that you need to be trained as a classical artist to be any good at anything anyway, right? In some ways. But are you going to add like would you think adding prompt engineering to the curriculum is something that that can happen or does it just sort of naturally happen or will students just start using it? Uh uh well both the first and the last thing you said. Yes, I'm yeah. going to add it. Absolutely, already already in process. Right. And see, uh, the students are just going to use it anyway. And you know, they're already using it. Right. But it's 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 up to us as educators to train them on the history, the nuance, how these AI backend engines work. Sure. The you know the, the ethics of properly attributed source image libraries, um, attributing these tools as uh, collaborators, you know okay. at that level, um, on a tool level, yeah, how 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 to be a really good prompt engineer, you know, bring all these classical terms and phrases and uh, and concepts to that, right? Um, and I mentioned ethics, I'll, I'll mention it again because it's important, you know, because we'll, we have to roll this into the existing, um, you know, student code of conduct, um, yeah. the same way, you know, plagiarism. Um, so we're, we're, I'm very actively encouraging the use of all these tools, but we have to be responsible to have them be used in uh in the best way possible, but also in, a, in an appropriate way. So yeah, so I've already contacted all of my teaching faculty. Yep. And surprise, uh, several of them have said, "Oh yeah, I, I added that just just halfway through this last semester. We right. talked about it. You know, the the use cases, blah blah blah." So um, yeah, so it's yeah, again the. the a benefit. It's of having- interesting. I think it's fascinating because you know, like my my kids are 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 still in grade school. And my daughter, who's in high school, there's, they have all their teachers now have to use tools to detect if kids are using ChatGPT to write their papers because that's not mm-hmm. right, right? They don't want them, they want them to write on themselves. And what's interesting is thinking about the fact it's like, well, let's just make it part of the curriculum, but you have to be good at it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and there'll be there already is you know a burgeoning cottage industry of tools to detect. Sure. ChatGPT text for sure. Um, right. But then there's also I've got two tools to fool the tools that detect ChatGPT. Right. 
say oh yeah well, it's it's, you know? it's a it's a it's a it's a rat race i mean it's like constantly chasing each other right because i mean there was some there's same things for deep fakes right <laughs> yeah exactly well and then you know we can that's the next iteration of this topic is um i'm i'm buying a closet full of popcorn because the election next year is going right. to be mind-blowing well they said that about the last election and it it didn't really happen that much it turns out that you don't need to deep fake anything you can just lie and that works just fine <laughs> right, but that, that's the basis of going into 2024 is sure <laughs> everybody's gonna lie and we all know it and there's yeah. no consequences basically um yeah that's but no, no i mean yeah so the 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 level of um I'll call it ignorance i guess um but on the part of the viewer we can no longer trust anything we see really at any level at all so sure. um so the you know the actors of uh, of promoting disinformation um, are just beside themselves with with glee now, right? right. You can make you can make the opposing dude say anything you want, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it'll get go viral before people say, no, no, that's not really real. Yeah, yeah. Then you can't trust anything, and that, or better yet, you can say ridiculous things like, "I didn't say that. That was not me." <laughs> Right. So that's that's a whole tangent, but uh, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's related. I mean, that's it's kind of. Um, I sure. think there'll be again the, the tools, the really advanced technology to 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 back engineer and detect things, you know, like Snopes or you know whatever. To mm -hmm. to what degree um, of certainty is something a fake or real? Um, I but isn't that kind of what we've always been? Isn't that what you've been doing since the nineties? Right, you've been making things. <laughs> In computer graphics that's supposed to look real and supposed to be believable. <laughs> well, it's really interesting. So a, a really cool gig I got. Um, I did a couple of three seasons of um, UFO Hunters and Ancient Aliens. Oh, wow. <laughs> on the History Channel because they said, well, we're looking for somebody who can analyze footage that's submitted by people who claim to have seen UFOs. And can we okay. show you these video and images and can you tell? And right. you, you nailed it just now. It's like, well, I've spent a career making stuff so you can't tell. So I right. should be able to reverse VFX soup. Right. Yep. <laughs> stuff. And it was a blast. I had so much fun being so, you know, if you're up late and you watch reruns, I'm on camera. Um, nice. Debunking this stuff. But I wouldn't be able to do it today. Forget it. Right. Like anything yeah. you see now, I mean, in addition to the drone technology, you know, the stuff sure. that they do with drone, drone swarms now is just yeah. mind boggling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but like with Doug and, the, and his projects, I've been a lifelong um, been fascinating, fascinated by UFOs. And Well, you were talking about Joel Hynek before. You remember Joel, uh, Joel's father? <laughs> Jay Allen Hynek. That's right. Yeah. He invented the Hynek scale, which is close That's encounters right. of the first, second, third kind, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Jay Allen. Yeah. And the Project Blue Book. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely so, right. Yep. yep. Yeah, so, yeah. I work yeah. with Joel on stealth of all films. <laughs> not my oh, proudest, nice. not my That's proudest great. project, but no, Joel was a, a lot of fun to work with. <laughs> Joel is a blast. He's one yeah. of the good guys. Um, That's a cool movie. I like that. You want, we, we can, Trade the worst movies we've ever worked on. Um, Mine was Ghost Rider, I think. And not necessarily that it was a, a, 
uh, it was a fun project. It's just like, eh, I didn't really care about the movie that much. But it was a fun project. And I got to work with Kevin Mack, who was the supervisor on it, who is hilarious and amazing. Awesome. Kevin was with us at the beginning of Digital Domain. Right. And he was also, he also won an Oscar for What Dreams May Come. <laughs> amazing. All yeah. these people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, th I think even the worst, and I worked on a lot of bad movies, but there, yeah. I think, I think every single one of them were a whole lot of fun, whether it was being on the studio lot or being on set or out on location, you know, um, helping blow up stuff for, for Judge Dredd. Uh, right. Which actually I loved. I, I, I think that's a great movie. The original Judge Dredd with Stallone. Yeah, with with Stallone. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of work on that. That's oh, that's I think that might be the only actual film credit for my company. So if you look at the the screen credit at the end of Judge Dredd, it'll say additional visual effects by digital photography. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, but um, Steven Seagal uh, Under Siege Two: Dark Territory. That might be the worst. <laughs> that's pretty bad <laughs> oh, uh, that's funny Cutthroat Island that was pretty bad oh wow yeah I forgot about that film yeah okay um, but that was uh, Jeff Oaken was the VFX soup he's amazing he's uh -huh. fantastic another old old soul um, did he just retire from the VES or is he still part of the VES he might have he's been very active okay uh, for a long time Jeff um, but yeah that, that whole age of the 90s there were just just they were just pumping them out. There was so yep. many projects, um, but so many good people, so many good friends. Um, like I said, still last week, <laughs> yeah. Jeff Kleiser and Joel Heineck and uh, yeah, Paul DeBevick was there with us, Paul, sipping, awesome. sipping whiskey and a bunch of other people. So uh, yeah, it's really a great community. It's really small, um, and it's really so young. Um, that uh, I liken it to if we were aerospace engineers mm -hmm. working at like Boeing or something and flight was such a new concept that yeah. Orville and Wilbur Wright were in their 80s, but we could go to a, a conference and talk to them about how they invented the, the concept of the wing. Right. Yeah. And that's what it, it's like, right? Because you can go sure. to SIGGRAPH and talk to Ed Catmull and talk to Jim Blinn. Yeah. And even older, Ivan Sutherland and, yep. uh, you know, Andy Ken Perlin and talk to him about all Ken that. I know, absolutely. These guys are not only still around, but they're still kicking. They're still mm -hmm. contributing and it's amazing. Yeah. So get out there and volunteer at SIGGRAPH, everybody, yep. and go to FMX and go to VIEW and go to VIEW. And you said you're going to NC as well or? NC's next week. Yeah. That's yeah. very purely animated film, uh, as, yep. as you know. Uh, so we've got, uh, we uh, helped a good friend of ours, uh, Bill Plimpton. Oh, I know Bill. He's yeah, been on this podcast too. <laughs> oh, excellent. Bill, oh, what a force of nature, right? Oh and my God, yeah. He's Google very analog though. <laughs> very, very yeah, analog. Oh yeah, Google him. This is a gentleman who, uh, he, he very regularly, when he's not doing Simpsons uh, openings, uh, with colored pencils, just hand draws entire feature films. He draws every frame. <laughs> yeah, himself. Yeah. But he does have a lot of help for like, you know, for coloring, for compositing, yes. for things like that. So he used a lot of our SVA students. Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. Yep. So his latest film, Slide, and this is oh, so huge. Cool. I'm so happy for Bill, uh, is in competition at Annecy, which is a huge deal. Nice. So Bill something Slide, everybody. So in competition at Annecy. Yeah. So yeah, we'll yeah. Uh, be there cheering him on. I'm so happy. That's awesome. Old school. Yeah, absolutely. I did a, 
I built a, a, a little team to do something that Google said was not possible. Okay. So we, we pitched the Google Spotlight Stories to do, I wanted to do a, a VR project of one of Bill's Academy nominated shorts from the 80s called uh, One of Those Days. Okay, right, right, right. It's a POV of a guy just getting punched. One of those bad days, you know? Yeah. But it was, it was a POV. So I was like, oh, right. perfect, POV. We can VR. Right. So, but everybody listening, just Google Bill Plimpton and you can see the style. It's about as uncomputer graphics as you can yep. imagine. So uh, Google said, not interested, can't, you know, can't do it. So we did it anyway. Uh, we okay. brought Bill in, built a team of CG. So we did a, a, a proof of concept level, basically, of, sure. of, of that. And that was, that was great. That's amazing. Well, maybe you can talk to Apple now about that. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm just, cool. I'm, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, just, it's, a, it's just another disruptive time with AI. It's happened yeah. before, um, you know, whether it's the cotton gin or, you know, the Model T assembly line or robotics and automotive factories, or, you know, every time a major disruption of technology comes, um, you know, the naysayers will say, oh, everybody's going to be out of work and machines are going to take our jobs. And um, I think what, what consistently happens, I think I, I would be confident in, in proving this out, is that the jobs just shift. You know, they right. let people do more creative. Learn new skills. Right. Higher level new skills, right. Yeah, you have to, have to re be retrained, perhaps. You have to learn new things. But I think you're not going to be uh, making buggy whips anymore. You're going to be, <laughs> no, you don't have to, you know, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Hand <laughs> make. You remember you said you still love to roto. I was like, well, maybe you don't have to roto anymore. <laughs> no, you know? I know. Yeah. That went away pretty quick. You know, first it got outsourced to yeah. other countries and now it's just done automatically. Right, right, right. So anyway, it's, yeah, it'll be, it'll all be fine, but we have to be smart about it. And as educators, we've got to, educate right okay and i'm awesome. happy to be in a position to do that so. well terrence thank you so much it's been a wonderful having you uh i i i just uh I, those stories are fabulous yeah i love those times it's usually the kind of stories just like you're saying you sit around over whiskey and reminisce about these little <laughs> some of these things but uh, it's really great that you're going you know through education you're sort of helping bring forward the, the next generation of these of these uh great talents um and uh, you know it's that's awesome because you started it before there was any education in this area, or <laughs> as much as you know, or as established as that education has become. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and being uh, at SVA and given the the freedom to to build the department and make the priority of students and stay ahead of of the curve uh, and having the ability to do that is just uh, it's a really really uh, amazing position to be in um, that I take. Very seriously, but uh, I'm, I'm, having I'm having a I'm lot of fun at the same time. And thank awesome. you for doing this. I'm going to go back and look at uh, uh, you know nine years of podcast now because oh this yeah well you'll have a lot to listen to on your drive. I'll tell you that. <laughs> ah, I can't wait. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear right. other people's stories. There's so many. There are so many, absolutely. And listen to Doug's episode; it's a wonderful one. So Doug Trumbull, uh, that was probably about a year before he passed away, but uh, oh, really cool. I will, I will, I will. Yeah. yeah, he was amazing. Cool. Cool. All right. All right, Thanks, Terrence. Guys. Thank you. You're welcome.